Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. As well as the Making Star Wars Podcast Network. A quick warning, there is some occasional coarse language, so if you are around sensitive ears or are easily offended, move along to another Steel Wars episode. This is not the podcast you are looking for. Hey you guys, welcome to Steel Wars. I'm comedian Steel Saunders and I do love Star Wars. And each week we find someone of interest to talk about it with. And today's guest, who I have to find out whether she's pandering to me with this dress or <laughs> not, but it is uh, writer, actress, comedian, yes. Riley Silverman. How yeah. are you? I, I'm very good. I actually I just noticed because you showed me the photo on your Instagram earlier of Jerry as the Ewok, and you did not think about the fact that you have a painting of the exact same photo on the wall behind you that you could have easily shown me at the oh, same yeah. time. Yeah, I forgot about that. My friend Hawes, uh, one of his friends, like painted it and sent it to me and I was just yeah. like... He was like, do you like it? And I'm like, yes, I like the best thing ever. Yeah, like, it's, yeah a picture of my, my beloved pet painted up as a character from Star Wars. Yes, I am a fan of this. Thank yeah. you. And my favorite creature from Star Wars I'm, as well. I, I'm an Ewok like uh, apologist as well. Like I do not no, uh, have da, any... Da, 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 da. No apology yeah, necessary. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, I agree. I, I, am, I am very pro-Ewok. I, yeah. I play that Heroes game on my phone. I have a whole Ewok squad. They do very well. Ah. Oh. <laughs> I've seen the graphic for that. So it's a handheld, like an iPhone game? Or yeah, like it's called Galaxy of Heroes, and it is a turn-based combat game. And you basically build... The, the, the premise of the game is that you are in, like, let's say, like, Jabba's Palace or, like, that kind of... Like, you're in a, you're in a gaming facility, mm-hmm. and there are a bunch of hollow tables, and each one has different types of challenges to them. And you basically build squads of fighters and there's a light side or dark side set of challenges where you have to build like a light side team or dark side team but then there's also like for challenges where you can combine your two teams to like maximize your your strategy or whatever and there's like player versus computer which are these challenges and there's also player versus player where you like match your teams against other people's teams there's like an endurance one where you go up against like 12 teams and like a, and if you're whatever whoever dies in a round like you lose them you can't get them back until you reset the, the board sounds serious yeah and then there's like there's like now there's they added like about a year ago guild functions so you actually can have like other players you can be in a guild with and then you guys together can go up against like the rancor or uh like the tanks that are the uh, the droid tanks from um the, the from the phantom menace and like basically every day of so many like before you can reset and then you like I think you play it five times a day and then the idea is to take it down I'd be too scared to do the Rancor one because I'd be worried that the Rancor is getting controlled by like this like overweight topless dude in another state and when yeah. I killed the Rancor he'd be really upset yeah exactly he'd start crying and his friends would <laughs> hug him and yeah and it, that Rancor one's fun because like the, so the first round against the Rancor you're actually fighting uh, 
the Grimorian guard and like two of his little lackeys. Mm-hmm. And then like you kill them and then you have three rounds against the Rancor and the, the second and third round you actually have like a um, electronic control panel on the side that if you attack that enough times when, like when it regenerates it makes the door slam down on the Rancor and then he's like trapped for like two or three turns and you can just like wail on him and then it comes up again. So let's talk about the Ewoks. And the, who are the Ewoks fighting in the game? Any, any team you go up against. Ewoks versus you, Rancor? You build your... You can fight... You can, I've, I have fought the Rancor with my Ewoks, yeah. <laughs> you can fight... You can fight any team. You can fight other Ewok teams. My current best team that, that I That is wrong. I'm yeah. against that. No Ewok on Ewok violence. Well, you know, sometimes, you know, things happen in the village and you got to settle some differences. Wow. Low Grey you can, and, you can and make Chirpa. Them fight, you can make them fight a- Jawas. Oh, uh, Lovray, they just added because the the problem I had with the the game for a while was that most like classes of character you can bi- build at least one five person team out of them, mm-hmm. but the Ewoks for a long time you couldn't because there was only four playable Ewoks. Uh, but now they just added Wicket, Lovray, and I can't remember who the third one they just added to it was. But I have to, I'm, tr- I'm still building them up because. Uh, you could have Tebow, you could have Chirpa, and then there was like Ewok Elder and Ewok uh, Warrior, and that was it. But now you finally, because I'm building up the other characters to make them a playable unit. Wow, I've re- like Just, resisted yeah. the lures of Star Wars video games, probably because yeah. like I'm, I'm I'm busy making content for Fair. the people of I the world. I wish that I had never found it because it does steal a lot of my time. But away. yeah, I'm worried now that like. We- <laughs> It's just like this is the last episode we ever record. Yeah, exactly. Because once I, I've got this handheld game that I can be an Ewok yeah. playing a Rancor. Oh, it's on. What yeah. about what about Porgs, which are the new little character that's super cute in the Last Jedi? Have you seen those? Oh, I have not. I have not. I've I have purposely okay. With Star Wars, I try my best to not watch trailers before the movies come out because I just want that. I know I'm going to see it. I know I'm going to love it. So I want to know as little as possible before going Ooh. in the first time. I did watch the first teaser, but I haven't watched that behind the scenes thing. I, 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 there was a joke that I was doing with it on, on social media when Force Awakens was coming out where I was like, I will not click on Star Wars. That was like my one thing that I, I was like, I will not click on Star Wars. Because at the time, I was still setting myself up with the idea that it might end up being as disappointing as the prequels were for me. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I'm just going to go in, but, which did the opposite, which was instead it built up the anticipation so high that it probably would have been hard to top, but it did. I really enjoyed it. So. Yeah. Because uh, that's that's weird because I was looking through your IMDb uh-huh. before because we're in Hollywood. Yes. And so, you wrote... I did. On that ruined honest, my streak. The yes. honest teaser for Screen Junkies. Yes. You did the... Um, and it was... I just watched it and it was, it was quite funny, actually. Yeah, it was funny. I went in there. I did two days of riding with Screen Junkies. I was I was testing it out to see if it was a job that I could, I could slip into. I, unfortunately, I didn't get the job, but I spent two days riding. I got a couple of jokes into... The, the one that I was brought in to ride on was the Terminator Genesis one. And I got one joke into that trailer that I was very proud of and a couple of little minor ones that... But the one joke I got in the Genesis one. But then they were like, hey, while you're here, we're going to do this one for Force Awakens. And then I like reluctantly had to watch that trailer. But that was the only one that I watched. Because like, I, w- I would literally be in theaters and I would hear Luke's voice doing the Force of Strong with my family at the start of that one trailer. And I would get up and leave the theater and wait outside for like two minutes and then come back in. Oh, wow. And then someone spoiled it the night before I saw it. Because it, you know, it came out here on Christmas weekend and it opened on like Thursday night, the seventeenth, yep. I think it was. Yep. And I was getting on a, I, didn't, I couldn't get tickets that night. And then also my best friend from high school, my friend Matt, he had bought tickets for us to see it in Ohio, and it became like a, oh cool, we'll do like a best friends bonding Christmas 
vacation. Also, my birthday was coming up, so I was like, we'll do this cool thing. I was like, fine. So I didn't go see I because I, I did get a chance to see it Thursday night, but not until way later. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I already agreed to go see it with my friends, so I'm not going to do it. I'll be a good friend. So then Friday, I got on a plane. All day Saturday, all day Sunday, I, I, I avoided everything I could on social oh. media. And then Sunday night, it was my birthday. Uh, my birthday was Monday, the 21st. So Sunday night, I went on my Facebook just to see if anyone had left me birthday messages or not. And some asshole friend of mine, who's no longer a friend of mine because of this, from Portland, <laughs> just posted a list of spoilers from the movie without any setup, that no, no spoilers a warning. Oh. It literally just said Han Solo was murdered by his son, Kylo Ren. Uh General Leia, like, like Leia, General Leia, they all call her General. Uh, they find R2-T2 at the end with the map. Like, all that was just laid out. And, like, before you even have a chance to stop your eyes from scanning it. Uh, what, what sort of Facebook post is that? He was just being a dick. And it, was, it made me so mad because oh, his reaction okay, to it was... Okay. Yeah, his reaction to it was to go, it's just a toy commercial, guys. And I was like, you saw it. Like, you can't be smug about this franchise and other people waiting to see it if you paid money to go see it like mm. you are just as much into it as we are but you're trying to be cool and act like you're above it and yeah so i actually i didn't know him very well i'd only met him doing comedy in portland a couple times but i was like nope done I'm, oh, okay I'm so it wasn't yeah. that, it wasn't that hard to extinguish him from no, your life no i was but i was furious because i had been having i've been having a rough day and so it was like a okay cool i'm gonna go on cheer myself up with birthday announcements and instead yeah, this yeah. Guy, and so when i saw the movie for the first time the next day it kind of ruined my experience of seeing it because i was just so pissed still and like, the whole movie i'm like well i know like i know han's gonna die so what but then when i saw it again back in la like once i had that out of my system i saw i, I was so into it and I, it was so much fun the like that whole thing that your former friend did, I, I find. What's wrong with them? Like I had yeah. a thing on, uh, so in in Australia we got to see it. I think like two days earlier because we got the time yeah. difference, and films, big films, are released at midnight on mm-hmm. Wednesday nights. So yeah. Thursday's our release day, but if it's a big film, they'll bring it out at twelve oh one. Yeah, the UK got it a day early too, and they're not they're also not dealing with as much of a time difference. Yeah. so that makes sense. So I got a tweet and and Force Awakens week was like one of the best weeks of my life. I, I got to interview Harrison Ford, I got married, and I got to see the Force Awakens. So That's awesome. I just like it was just I'd I'd saved up all these good things and just went yeah. this week. So I was riding high and just I think it might have been the day of the premiere. And I was down at because we did like a podcast directly after it, and I got an act from just a random account trying to say what happened in the film because the premiere had been like the big, you yeah. know, the, the 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 cast and crew premiere had just been. So you know, the, the it was sort of out there. Someone had you know blogged about it or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. So someone was, and they they did this for um, Rogue One as well. It's someone's entertainment is to find like people that don't follow, yeah, but people that are just really excited about something like this this harmless space movie, yeah, and to spoil their fun. And I sort of saw it and just went ah, and didn't sort of read it. I just saw words and just went ah, and then you know blocked and reported. But it was like. 
what is wrong in yeah. their life yeah. that that is... Like, if someone's going to the My Little Pony Con or something like that, it's like, it doesn't... It's like, whatever makes you happy yeah. that doesn't hurt someone else, like, ride the yeah. pony. this is a little bit different than that, but this whole thing that's been happening recently where those women who worked at Marvel posted that picture of them eating milkshakes or drinking milkshakes... Could not be a more innocent, delightful, sweet picture. Mm. Just a, a girl and her coworkers enjoying milkshakes. Yeah, and Heather, some guy Heather Antos. Yes, yeah, and yeah. some some guy retweeted it with fake geek girls, and it was like from his like diversity in comics Twitter or YouTube page or whatever. And it's just like, what is wrong in your? What is missing in your life that you're that angry over? A woman and her coworkers having a drink together like that, like it, like really, like you've never had a like you've never had a beer with your friends and like um, hey, my buddies and I like ah I'm not real geeks like I it was just you know I, I, all arguments about political about like PC culture or call culture aside, it's just a person having a drink with her friends mm. and like why is this the moment you have to like go no I hate you like, yeah. A bunch of happy people having a milkshake. That's my tipping point. Yeah, you clearly you don't you don't have any passion for my <laughs> beloved thing because you're drinking a milkshake with your friends. But yeah, it's uh, it, like in in Star Wars fandom, like for people that are you know like neck deep in it, like myself, yeah. it is a a growing issue where you know we've got like all these uh, female creators and characters. Yeah, and there is this backlash. Because it, they're, it's so, it's like theirs, apparently. Yeah. And, and by the way, it's not. I have been a Star Wars fan since I was a child, and it's been mine as much as it's been yours the entire time. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's such a bizarre thing. And it's also so misguided in that, like, if you look at, like, oh, it's all these female leads. It's yeah, like it's well, two. Well, there's been two. They've been surrounded by men. Yeah. And um, just so you know, they're making this film called Han Solo. I'm pretty sure they're going to go with a male lead for that but one. You know what? At this point, I wish they, I almost wish they wouldn't just to piss <laughs> off. Like I, if there's any company out there that has the money to troll haters, it's Disney Lucasfilm. Like it is that is. I'm, I mean, obviously, before I get tweets about this, I obviously don't really believe that because I I guess what am a Star Wars fan and I do. I personally don't want them to make a Han Solo origin film. I want Han Solo to kind of just be who Han Solo is in the movies, and and I want like my personal preference for future Star Wars films that are not saga films mm-hmm. is to be something kind of like Rogue One but even more separated from the original trilogy like I would like I would rather see them make Knights of the Republic movies like movies that are like set in this universe but are completely detached from the story so you can have more of an open playground to do things with that's what I want to see I don't need because you know the Kessel Run's going to be in this Han Solo movie like you just know it like it, there's no way it can't be right uh, I'm you, do you know things that I can't? Okay. No, no, I don't know. I do know things. Okay. That is not one of the things I know. Okay. But I am just so concerned about... I'm less concerned now with the change. Yeah. Because Chris Miller and Phil Ward, they kind of... Like, the, the films that they're best known for are self-aware films yeah. that know they're a film about this property. Yeah. I, they were always a weird match for that for this, this franchise. Mm. Um, and it's it's funny because 
going back to this diversity thing real quick that we were talking about the, or like adding women to the movies um, that were already there. I remember when Force Awakens came out and there was this push with having like Finn and having Rey and before anyone knew what level of role they were going to play in the story. Mm-hmm. And even to some degree, uh, Oscar Isaac, like this, this idea that like of what they call force diversity, where they're like, oh, you're forcing the filmmaker to include these people so you're then hampering their creative vision for the movie or whatever. But I remember the time being like, it's weird how selective we are with that particular criticism because I, I get that argument, but then it's like, you know that they're also being forced, quote unquote, to include Luke, Leia, Han, uh, and like the force and like spaceships, Wookiees. Like that's all things that are being put onto the filmmaker's ability to tell a story because that's what happens when you take on a franchise. Yeah. And like, you're never going to complain about those things, but like, why, like, why is it that like, you're, but so the funny thing is with, with, Lord and Miller is that we literally have seen now the case of, of filmmakers being let go from the project because they won't follow the creative vision that's being pushed onto them by the studio. And I, it doesn't seem like fanboys are that like those dope, that particular argument, people who put that forward, they're not too mad about the creative, the creative voice being hampered now when, when it's saying, no, we wanted it to be more in line with what we want it to be. Yeah. Well, there's, in there's my some- opinion, there's an underlying, thing do you know what i mean it's same with you know a lot of sexism and racism Mm -hmm. it's like the people don't see themselves as sexist or racist and they don't have um evil thoughts but it's like know your place do you know what i mean yeah so it's like don't ruffle any feathers yeah i find that fandom is a reflection of the greater populace, especially with something like Star Wars, because you could get everyone. You get like a wide, you know, probably like an even demographic of the culture uh, that are into this franchise. Do you know what I mean? And that's one of my favorite things. You know, one of my, when I I was watching your, um, your honest teaser, it's like, it was funny, but also because you're using clips out of the trailer, it got me very emotional again mm-hmm. about like that year. Yeah. It's such a special year in my life. It, yeah. And so I was sort of like laughing, but then, you know, like the ding, ding, like the piano thing. And yeah. then, the you know, and then it moves into that sort of, I don't know what that sort of music is, but it goes, bah, bah, and then Kylo Ren goes, I oh, will finish what you started. And I was just yeah. like, I'm laughing while also getting these emotional goosebumps. And one of my favorite things about Star Wars, when we did this big um, premiere for The Force Awakens, was it was just like, what a gamut of people. Yeah. Like what a, just an assortment of, it's not just like, a bunch of 30-something white dudes. It's like families. It's people from all cultures, people that have all these different types of jobs. Yeah. There's, there's filmmakers. There's, you know, there's there's all these there's musicians. There's just like there was reality stars. There was just every type of different person in this room staring at the wall going, take me on an adventure. Let's yeah. get inspired. And when people want to hamper that or keep it more for themselves or have it's like <laughs> this guy's defense the other day was it's <laughs> very unrealistic that uh whatever pound woman could fend off a a battalion of highly skilled 
you know, army or warriors yeah. or whatever. Like, how realistic was it when the Green Goblin lifted the spaceship out of the swamp? Yeah. Like, once you're doing that... I mean, we are, and we already established that she's... We basically pretty clear she's force sensitive so it's like she and also like she has spent her entire life on this planet fending off dudes who want to do horrible things yeah. to her like you can't she can't find a couple of guys who can't usually get through a hallway without hitting their heads on something like yeah. really that's the that's the the elite you spent decades of your life making fun of stormtroopers not being able to shoot properly but now suddenly yeah. stormtroopers are the most elite fighting force in the galaxy okay <laughs> okay <laughs> Oh, it's amazing man. how our opinions of things change when we want to make an argument about them. Um, yeah, I, Star Wars is. Such, I think when it, with all sci-fi, I think fandoms break down into two like core groups and like I, any nerd properties. And I think those nerd, those two groups are basically like, I love this thing. I get joy from this thing. I like sharing my joy with this thing with other people. Mm. Other people are like, I get joy from this thing. This thing is mine. And if you don't enjoy it how I enjoy it, you're, you're threatening me somehow. Like, you're yeah. taking my... Sp- and I think that's, that is what I, I think a lot of... Where you get a lot of people who call someone like a fake geek or, or a poser fan or whatever about something because they're not liking it on the same level as you are. I'm always baffled by that because, like, I, I am a big Star Wars fan. It's very important to me. Um, I'm also like a really big Doctor Who fan, and one of the things I love is when people come to me and ask me like, "Where do I start watching Doctor Who?" Because not unlike Star Wars with the episode, like which which order to watch them in now debate that we have, mm-hmm. I have that with seasons of Doctor Who, where I'm like, "Well, okay, if you want to be intense, you start with this year, but if you want to like kind of get a gist of what the show is, you start with this year, but if you want to have like a real experience where you get to like enjoy part of it, but then go back, here's you can like I I have my own machete order of of Doctor ah, Who episodes to okay. watch if somebody wants to watch. How those. many episodes of Doctor Who are there? A lot, <laughs> like two hundred. Oh, more than. Well, okay. Are you counting? Since the reboot, like return, or no, no, since over, over day time. one. Oh god, oh god. Uh, see, yeah, that's tough because I don't have the exact number on top of my head, mm. but it's hundreds because back in the old run of the series, it was a serialized show that would run throughout most of the year, and you would have like one arc. Excuse me, would be like four to 10 episodes and they each be like a half hour each. So like just in that first year, you had like hundreds of episodes because you had like several arcs that would run and they were like, uh, they used to film it like almost like a play. Like it was almost old school TV shows yeah. where you could tell they used the first take of everything and just cut and moved on. And that's George Lucas style. Yeah, exactly. And so it predates it. Like there's episodes, there's episodes, part of why the concept of reach, I know that I'm getting a lot of peanut butter in your chocolate right now. I'm sorry. I know, I know some fans <laughs> get real mad when you have another sci-fi feat. I get it. But, um, part of why regeneration became a concept in Doctor Who is because the original actor who was playing the Doctor was just like very ill and could not keep playing the part but the show was making money so they were like well we want to keep the show going we're going to we're going to let William Hartnell go and replace on Patrick Troughton but like there's episodes in like the last two or three years before he left the show where Hartnell just flubs lines left and right and they just keep them in like there's just no attempt uh, to fix it or anything and did it start in black and white? yes it's black and white through the 60s. Yeah. And then 1970, when the third Doctor started, uh, John Pertwee, it switches to color. And it's weird because the tone of the show changes completely, too. Like, like 
with every era the show kind of shifts a little bit but it goes from being this kind of like weird silly like space op like not opera but like adventure show mm-hmm. to it's all set on earth for like three years where the doctor never leaves earth except for like a rare special but like it turns into like this like 70s more like almost like a spy show that happens to also have aliens as the enemy but it's all set in england and it's all the doctor's working for this this group called units like it's like an intelligence agency and just like solving mysteries on earth that are alien involved uh, screw earth yeah no i think it was an attempt to try to keep the budget down oh, of course but then yeah. after like they did like three years of that and then they did a special called the, the, the three doctors where they brought back the first two doctors and had like a crossover and then after that he like because the premise was that he was being exiled to earth for being too much of a meddler and then after like he solved this problem for his people they gave him his ship back and then he was able to control it again and he was able to go travel again ah because that's like i was like a big he-man fan when mm-hmm. i was little and i would just die for a, a good He-Man movie. Yeah. But the one they brought out <laughs> in the 80s and he like goes to Earth and it's like, no, yeah. I've been to Earth. Eternia. That's how I felt about, this is such a weird one to pull up, but when they made that first Smurfs movie that was like set like in New York with like Neil Patrick Harris. Oh, we ha- we've, was, never had, we've never had a disgruntled Smurfs fan. Well, I'm not even podcast. a Smurfs we'll- fan. I just remember when it came out being like, kids don't love New York. Like, <laughs> Kids love magical lands with yeah. toadstools and Gargamel. Yeah, and, and like yeah, yeah. Weird, like why? And they, I guess the most recent one, they finally took them back to the Smurfs village, and that's where the story Ooh, takes place. I'm listening. And I'm like, why wouldn't you just make the movie and set it in that village? Like, why? Like, that's the weirdest thing to be like, hey, you know that thing that you haven't watched at all in your lifespan? Well, we're going to put it on, and we're going to put it in a city you don't care about. Well, this will lead to a Star Wars point, but it is that whole thing about just give us what we want. Yeah. Just give us what we want. Like, I remember they brought out the Thunderbirds film. Yeah. And it was directed by uh, Jonathan Frakes. And all I wanted to see was the couch... Like, I just wanted an oil refinery on mm-hmm. fire. Yeah. Eyes light up on the wall. Okay, we better go. I wanted the couch to slide. And I just wanted to see them yeah. do it in real life. Go down all the slides. Get in the ship. Yeah. Nah, oh. Nothing. All the Thunderbirds are stuck up in the spaceship Thunderbird. And the little kid, uh, Tracy, has to like work out how to use the Thunderbird ships. It's like, oh. Frakes, you have crossed me for the last time. Wow, I don't care how many beards you grow or shave off. I know, I was devastated. Not okay. So, to Star Wars. Yeah. And I have... A- and I, I do apologize for that long old Doctor Who rant on your Star Wars I know, this, is, this, yeah. this leads into a Star Wars point, <laughs> and uh, regular listeners will... Maybe groaning at (laughs) knowing what I'm going to talk about. I have full faith in Ryan Johnson. I, I have, you know, I've I've had. He's, uh, I'm a fan of him, Mm -hmm. and he's a sort of a fan of my stickers. And I've I've interviewed him before. And what what gives me hope about him? Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, yeah, on your own podcast, but um. The thing that Mark Hamill was quoted as saying, where when he got the script for the movie, he told Ryan Johnson, I, I 100% oppose everything you're doing to my character right now. But mm-hmm. then by the end, like came around on it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I like the idea this is a guy taking a huge risk with this movie and apparently selling it. Sorry, continue. So I, I do have, I have a lot of faith in Ryan Johnson. I, I feel like that if he wasn't a famous film director, that would be very good Star Wars friends. Okay. And there's, who knows, maybe we still can. Maybe yeah. we can get over our, our, you know, his success. Yeah. 
I, I, hey I'm, Ryan, don't be don't be don't be like shy about it. Just because Steel has a hit I'm, podcast, I'm willing to try. But and I do like. I'm the, putting it on Ryan. I think Ryan should be trying harder. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. I've made an effort, and I feel like. It's very exciting the way he's like, you know, Mark Hamill's said that stuff about the character and stuff and now he's turned around. But if Luke Skywalker doesn't turn on that green lightsaber, ignite the green, (laughs) it's like, what have you done? (laughs) What have you done? Yes. From the second they said, we're making more Star Wars films, Mm -hmm. I'm like, yes, I get to see Jedi Master Luke Skywalker like save someone with his green lightsaber and if he doesn't they don't do it and it's like whatever the the other option they went for Mm -hmm. i'm not creative enough to conceive of what that could be Uh that i would find as satisfying yes yeah so here's the thing with me. I am the same when I. It's weird. It's funny that you bring that up as a thing. I'm sure, like you said, your listeners have heard you say it a million times. It's not funny to me. It's the most serious no, thing in my no, life what right I'm now. What I'm funny about it is that I was the same way as a kid. I lost my shit when Luke had that green lightsaber. I'm like, you can have a different lightsaber. It, it's green. And so I always wanted the green lightsaber. And if I got a toy lightsaber and it was blue, I'm like, this is. Because um, I, I have been light side for life. Uh, I Except. except um, <laughs> It's my favorite Tupac song. Thank you. Uh, yeah, the only thing dark side of, that I have is I do have a really cool dress that's like the Sith. It's like it's like it looks like a Sith robe, and it has like the Empire logo on the like the the like the cowl, uh-huh. and it, it's like a hood. It looks it looks really good on me, and it has pockets. So I do like that. But otherwise, I have always been light side when it comes to Star Wars, and so I, I've always wanted that yellow, that green lightsaber, mm-hmm. yellow. Fuck that, uh, green lightsaber. <laughs> But now that Ray has a blue lightsaber, I'm starting to get my head turned on. Now I'm like, am I going back to blue lightsaber? Like, am I? Like, I know my skirt has both blue and green, and also the purple for Mace and this red one. But uh, yeah, I I'm like, I feel very like disloyal to my lightsaber fandom now because I love Ray so much as a character, and like I'm like, is she gonna get to keep that lightsaber? Is because I picture from Last Jedi has her holding that one up. Yeah, and I have a great cosplay of me doing that, by the way, and um. I because I went I went to the uh the scum and villainy cantina. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, I was I managed to like throw together a almost perfect cosplay for that poster outfit of hers, like that, that temple gear she's wearing. Uh-huh. For just like for some like closet closet cosplay. The only thing that I had like that I had that wasn't intended for cosplay or that wasn't was I have a I have a cardigan that has the um the arm warmers. Oh yeah, I know the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like from, her uh, universe. From, oh no, it's pre that. It's from uh, Elhoffer Fashions, and it's actually like a little bit better. It's a little bit like higher. Like it's almost almost like handmade. It's like an actual sweater, and it has the. You know, I, I also have the her universe one. When that one's good for what it is. Uh-huh. But this is like I'll show you a picture when we're off mic and mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but I threw that on. I threw on a pair of of capris, and I had like a white shirt, and I like threw on a pair of belts and like an old purse that like swung down. So I had it. So I was at the the cantina, and I had not brought a lightsaber because I didn't think you'd be allowed to bring it in there because I for some reason like a lot of places have like a no prop weapons policy. But somebody else gave me her because at first you know they sell the drinks, and one of the drinks is the blue milk, mm-hmm. and so I held that up like that was my lightsaber. And then somebody else came and actually gave me their. So I have a shot of me, and it's perfect because the lights are all red. So it looks like that poster. It's like a great shot of me. I was devastated. Like last Halloween was my first American Halloween. Yeah. And Australians don't take Halloween 
that seriously. Like, it's just sort of catching on now. Okay. And, you know, I grew up, you know, E.T., you know, those sort of films where you just like, Halloween just seemed like the most awesome thing. And I wanted to go as Ray and there's no, there's no adult sized Ray costumes. There are, but they're just expensive. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there is? But you mean like, you mean like Halloween kit costumes? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. If you go on like Amazon, you can find a Ray costume for an adult. Really? Yeah. I've seen a bunch of. I've seen people in them, but then it's also if you want to spend more money, if you go on like Etsy, there are people who make every piece of that costume for you. Oh yeah, but I just want. But I think to, you, I, I mean I think I've seen on Amazon. I've seen like the Ray because it's not that hard. It's just like that fabric. I, I just wanted to get drunk in it one night. Yeah, there's only so much uh, investment I could do. Oh, so here's the uh, side by. This is me in my in my house, but this is me with that cosplay on. And isn't that amazing? <laughs> That's not bad. I was pretty impressed by it. That yeah, and then not- I'll, if I can find it, I thought I had it on my like, Facebook, but I'll go. I'll look on my Instagram and see if I can find it. Uh, and then yeah, I can I can I can send it to you. So you can tweet it if you yeah, want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll put it up. Um, but yeah, I think about Ray is that I just I love every time. I see a little girl dressed up like Ray. Oh. It just makes me so excited, like every single time. Like the, I, I think that's what makes me want to argue with these guys so much mm-hmm. is because when I, I love like like Star Wars has brought me so much joy, yeah, and and so many friends and so many great memories. And when the Force Awakens, like I used to like just love being in like a toy aisle and and seeing a kid trip out on oh R two D two. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, you know the names? Oh, we could be friends. Like, yeah. like you know, we're homies. And, you know, before we were talking about, you know, fake fans and all that. And it's just like, if you buy a ticket, rad. Yeah. Before we were talking about fake fans. Yeah. And to me, it's like, if you buy a ticket to go see Star Wars every time a Star Wars film comes out, then you're a Star Wars fan. Yeah. And I will talk, like, I'm down to talk cause Star Wars with you because I'm sort of in this fan bubble. Yeah. So, I kind of like... To talk to people that, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Who's in it? Like, John, they yeah. don't really know. Like, they don't really know what the story's going to be or whatever, but they've yeah. just seen maybe the trailer or, like, I sort of like, like that. Like, I took a guy that had never seen Star Wars, I took him to see Rogue One because mm-hmm. I just wanted to find out whether he could work out what's going on. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I only had two friends that had never seen Star Wars, so. For both of them, I took them to different Star Wars films as podcast experiments. So oh, that's cool. I, I used them up. We did that with Doctor Who. I have a Doctor Who podcast called The Regenerates. And we, okay. had, we had four weeks of recording before the new season started. Mm-hmm. So rather than like dive into old episodes as a seasonal thing, we just picked four episodes that we really liked from like random spots throughout the series. And the idea was we're going to show... A new, an episode to someone who's never watched the show before at all mm-hmm. and then ask them questions about the episode and like see if they like become fans of the show based on watching it gotcha yeah yeah it's funny doing that sort of stuff hey you guys podcasts expand their audience and stay alive based on listener word of mouth so if you're enjoying the episode so far why don't you drop us a retweet on twitter or share our episode announcement on facebook Facebook, the new episode is always pinned to the top of both those social medias. And if you haven't already, jump on iTunes and write us a sweet five-star review. It bumps us up the rankings, lets potential listeners know that we're doing good stuff, and makes your host feel warm inside. And don't we want that? Thanks so much. 
and back to the show. Now, let's go right back to the start. Sure. What is your first memory of Star Wars? My first memory of Star Wars is I was going on a family vacation to either Myrtle Beach or Florida. I can't remember which, but it was like, I'm from Ohio, and we were like piling into the van. It's one of those vans that was like huge in America in the 80s, where it's like a a van before minivans kind of took over, where... In the like in between the console, like wherever your parents would sit, there was like a little like there was like a TV screen, and you could like put in like oh maybe it was actually we had two different ones. I can't remember which one was which, but like it was either right there or was above my like my dad's head. Like I could look up and see it. In the eighties, your van had a TV. Yeah, it was a big deal. Like it was like it was really a big deal. Was your dad a rapper? No. Wow. It was just a thing. That, like, it was honestly, it wasn't really that. It wasn't like some flat screen or some height. It was like literally just like someone had like mounted a crappy TV VCR combo into a van and, and they probably charged. So we had got, my parents had gotten me because my, my brother had already been a Star Wars because he was older than me. He had seen Empire Strikes Back and Jedi in the theater because uh, he was born in 77. Mm-hmm. So... I was born in 81, and so I was just getting old enough to like be able to understand them and get into them or whatever. And I remember we got the box set that was the first three movies, because that's all existed at the time, and this like documentary movie called From Star Wars to Jedi. That was like a oh, making of thing. Yeah. So good. So good. And so, yeah, and I didn't understand at the time that that movie was, like, I had four tapes. I didn't understand there wasn't a fourth movie. Like, I, like in my mind, like, it's four Star Wars movies. There's Star Wars, there's Vampire Survivors, Return of Jedi, and there's some Star Wars to Jedi. Like, um, so I watched, and then my parents put these movies on just to, like, shut me up on the way to this trip where we were going, and I was just glued to it. Like, I was just completely enthralled. And then after that... Like so, yeah, and that that like you know, I didn't see it on a big screen for the first time. I didn't even see it on like a house. I saw it on a tiny TV in the back of a van, but I, it I, might as well have been a premiere in Hollywood. I've interviewed hundreds of people about Star Wars mm-hmm. and about when they first saw it. Yeah, never got back of a van before. Yeah, <laughs> you're breaking new ground. Yes, it's ironic because we used to go on the big family vacation to this place called Eden in uh in new south wales and it was like a i think it was like a 10 hour drive yeah and i'd be sitting in the back seat of the car thinking about Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> well then what happened was like well, even like as early as like when we got on that trip i remember near where we were staying there was like one of those like vacation town kind of like bookstores that mm-hmm. like it's just like old dusty books and they had a set of star wars books that weren't even like it wasn't like the Thrawn trilogy or something like that. It was like a set of books that were for kids. They were like a young adult Star Wars book series mm-hmm. that were not. They, they weren't even like they didn't even follow the Legends canon. Like they was like it was like its own separate side oh. sequels to the. It was like what like, what what year was this? Was this still in the? This 80s? is like late eighties. Yeah, I I couldn't for life of me tell you what these books were called, but I know like there was a whole plot. Like, I remember a plot being like. They were trying to find the son of the emperor, and there was like the the rumor was that he had a third eye, and so there was like some taking a lot of acid. Yeah, there were like there were, and there was like some villain who like had a fake eye prosthetically 
implanted so people would think he was the emperor's son and then he also even had like gloves made that shot lightning so he could like look like he was actually using the forge when he wasn't um and then like the real emperor's son so, so was, like, he was in an doing, insane asylum so yeah. he was doing emperor's son cosplay yeah let me see like i think if i look let me see if i can look at the name of the emperor's son and see if i can find the name of this book series by like reverse engineering that um because it was, I think it was a bit later than that, but I remember there was some like young reader books and they had like just hilarious names like The Glove of Darth Vader yeah. and, and Mission to Mount Yoda. I always wanted to go to Mount Yoda. Hike. Sorry, I was actually looking this up. This character's name was like... Um Triclops was like the that was the actual name of the emperor emperor's son because he had uh, a third eye. God, they didn't put much effort into that one. Yeah, and so okay, so there was a. Uh, this is so weird. He was the son of human mutant slave. He was the son of the emperor Palpatine. Is possible. He was the influence of Dark Plagueis' experiments and the influence of midichlorians. God, there's so many like in in universe terms here that I can't find. Just like what the book like the i'm looking for like the argument for what 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 like story this was in this is all in universe i'm looking because this is, this is such a long wikipedia article that i'm trying to like find okay um okay so there was a okay there was a, re, a oh this is glove of our fader this is that this is that series oh, okay nice uh, yeah i think i think the guy i think the villain like try who was like a different guy who was trying to pretend to be this guy i think he got Vader's glove and he was trying to find ways to replicate the force choke without actually having force powers. Gotcha. And that's why it was called that. So yeah, it was a series called the Jedi Prince series. Wow. Yeah. Mission to Mount Yoda, Queen of the Empire, and Prophets of the Dark Side. So I got those books and I like read those as a kid. And that was like the books that like I hunted down. Well, I, I you must have I'm been... I'm sorry for the complete halt that I just brought this right. podcast to you, looking so, that up. So but. you must have been devastated that when they you found out they were making movies after Return of the Jedi, that they weren't following the storyline of, of the, the Glove of Darth Vader. Yes, that was very sad. Oh, we finally get to see the Emperor's Son! I, I remember when I got older and I was like excited to start talking to people about Star Wars books mm-hmm. and then I'd be talking about things from the Jedi Prince series and everyone's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, like there's even people, there's people like, like yourself that I know who are huge Star Wars fans who have probably read a bunch of Star Wars books. Probably. And like, don't even know what I'm talking about uh, when I mention uh, these the, books. Like, the, the, like it's, the, you know how weird it is the to be the obscure weird nerd in the obscure weird Star Wars nerd <laughs> book universe? <laughs> I, I'm definitely. Do you know? Do you know Greg Cashmanian? By the way, he's a comic. If you haven't had him on the show, you should have him on the show because he knows the book. Like he's like he's almost a bigger fan of the books than he is the movies. Like, oh, you got to watch out for those people. <laughs> They're the real nutbags. Yeah, because you know, in the fandom, there are people that are very upset that they yeah. they extinguish the EU. Yeah. yeah, and um, he's sad, but he's not mad at the new movies. There's people that just all they do is they just tweet angry things about the Disney Corporation. Yeah, and how they've they've ruined Star Wars. It it is amazing. I, I get it. I get that if you're very invested in a story, mm. having a corporation say that the story didn't actually happen is hurtful. I, I can see why that would upset you, but it's also like, do you still own those books? Like, mm. are you able to go read those books? Like, it's not... I'm sorry that the mainstream population is not going to also read those books with you like now, but you still have them. Like, all the experiences you had reading those stories still existed. Like, that's that goes back to the thing about the fandom thing I was talking about earlier, is that I think that with sci-fi fans, another situation where there's, like, two kinds of fans, I think there's some people who 
their experience with reading or watching or enjoying sci-fi is this like, like what if like let's look mm-hmm. forward to the future let's imagine a universe that is better or more interesting or more exciting than ours and then there's another group of fans that look backwards with it it's all about their nostalgia and their previous experiences with it and wanting to hold on to that feeling and that sensation and i totally get that i totally respect that but that's also not a that's a stagnant point like, position to take i think, I, I, think yeah. it's, I think it's impossible for a franchise to grow and change and, and a story to continue being told if you don't allow there to be changes and, and new voices and, and shifts and also to let it progress with society as, as society improves like the best example of that you know what no i'm not going to bring up the the i'm not going to bring up the dark side on a, on a star wars podcast uh i'll, I'll stick you to star wars say already, whatever you want i was going to say the best example of that is star trek because star trek the the vision of gene roddenberry is a utopian type society mm that has gotten past a lot of the prejudices we have of current society. But it's hard to tell that story in a society that still has those prejudices. Yeah. And so that's why when you like reboot the show decades later, you kind of have to jettison some, some things that were restrictive in the past. Like the fact that it was a big deal in the sixties for Uhura and Kirk to kiss and shouldn't be now is like an example of that changing. And so when you're still telling a story set in the utopian future, you can't make the utopian future more regressive than the current society. Go- yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. That's where I think you get stuck up on this. Like, there's people who are like, yeah, but this is what Star, Star Trek is to me. And again, I'm so sorry for bringing a Star Trek on Star Wars podcast. I know fun. people get really mad about it. But uh, yeah, I think it's like, yeah, but we, if you want to tell new stories in that universe, you kind of have to make it. A future you have to make it optimistic you have to make it you know aspire something to aspire to yeah the it, it's strange like because you know with star trek when they were casting the new the new show that's coming out and people get yeah. upset about casting and, yeah and 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 same with star wars do you not know the message of these shows? Yeah. You know, like, you lashing out, like, about the milkshake thing. It's like, you know Luke Skywalker would think you're a dick? Yeah. Like, do you not get that? Yeah. It's- the thing is that a friend of mine, and he, I think he probably probably it from somebody else, but he made a point one time, is the problem with that argument is that everybody thinks they are Luke and the Rebels. Nobody ever sees themselves as the Empire. Everybody always thinks, well, I'm the one fighting this mm-hmm. oppressive force. Yeah. And so they don't think Luke would think they're a dick. They think Luke would be like, yeah, we got to stand up for this together. Even though Mark Hamill himself is on Twitter saying, Luke would think you're a dick. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're like, ah, oh, well, Mark Hamill's been red pilled. I don't I mean, I'm yeah. blue pilled, whatever they would say. But that's a yeah. double down. It's like, yeah. Mark Hamill and Luke Skywalker think you're a dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you not get this? Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I tweeted this ages ago and, and it's sort of, I don't know, people, it's sort of, this weird thing that comes up now and then that I said, I don't get how people can watch the Star Wars films over and over and not pick up on its moral messages. Yeah. Like, like, how do you know what an IG-88 droid is? Like all these background yes. stuff yes. that you don't pick up on the main message, yeah. which is when you've got a lot of power, you've got a decision, you can use it to help yourself or you can use it to help yeah. everyone else. Yeah. And that's Star Wars. Yeah. It's crazy. And it's so weird when people try to act like Star Wars was just for boys and now women are taking it or something like that because, like, 
I actually wrote a piece about this for, for I write for Sci-Fi Fangirls, and I wrote a piece about this when the 40th anniversary came around, about how Princess Leia is like one of the characters that helped me to understand my own like girliness and womanhood as a child, and mm-hmm. like understand who I was, because she was one of the few characters in sci-fi who was just there. Because like in Indiana Jones, you had female characters like... like um, um, Marion, like, like that was there, and then like you had the next movie, you had Billy, but like you have characters who are there for one movie, are basically there to be like a rancid foil, and then they're disappeared. And mm-hmm. like every Bond movie had a different Bond girl, every you know Indiana Jones had a different girl as well. Um, but Leia sticks around. Leia is she's she only gets more authority as the movies go on. She's never questioned by underlings except for Han for being a woman and like Han's not even a question for being a woman he's just questioning her because she's a princess well Han questions everyone yeah exactly you know the crazy old man and the kid like. yeah exactly and he is, he's never really sexist to her he's he's it's more of a classist thing it's more of a like you're a princess so yeah I'm gonna question you and also I'm in love with you that kind of thing but she's just a leader like she's you know when she, when she's being quote-unquote rescued on the death star she's rescuing herself she's the one blasting holes in the wall and thinking, let's get on this, this tunnel let's do this she's the one like like standing up to being tortured on the ship she's the one who you know is basically leading the command as they're leaving the ship mm. and then when you get to hoth she is in charge you know and like that was a moment where it's like yeah you can be this you can just be this powerful awesome lady mm. and so it's so weird to like the fact that with Force Awakens, we got literally one more character. Like, I mean, yes, also you have Phasma and you have um, Maz Kanata, but those are kind of smaller roles. But it's also like, that's three characters added to this movie. And we've also had, like, multiple male characters added. We have Finn. We have Poe. We have uh, Snoke. We have Hux. We have Kylo. We have Luke back we have han back we have chewy back like you have so many guy characters you're not taking anything away from you just to have ray have a stick like, yeah and and then you know you've got Genoso and yes eight, oh, eight we got Genoso. characters i love i love my Genoso. i know i like what, what we, oh the obsessed podcast yeah at um scrimmies um, yes yeah yeah uh, yeah you very much were uh had the Genoso oh, fever that, especially, especially then i was really in, i was like at like peak riley loves Genoso <laughs> time oh uh, yeah that was like my yeah like I, I, when i made my profile for fangirls it says uh like one of my it's like Resident Slytherin, and then also Jen Urso's Secret Grieving Widow, and I'm like, that's just up there now. That's like, because when they updated the site, I think that it got locked. So now it's like that's just my profile. We're now on the site. Like that's in a, five, ten years, I'll still be talking about Jen Urso. That's a good bio. That's a good bio. Yeah, but uh, yeah, what we were talking about before, just seeing like the little girls that were like, like I had friends' daughters that were like rocking Jen Urso outfits, yeah. and were like. Just like jumping around and kicking ass, like yeah. I, I've got this just one memory of seeing my friend Anthony's daughter, and she was genosoed up, and she was just in the mall, just jumping from bench to bench, yeah, just like on a little adventure by herself. <sighs> yes, and not yes. only was I very envious because I I miss my childhood yeah. um, imagination. <laughs> I miss being able to do that, and not hurt myself. <laughs> yeah, but or just the imagination yeah, of yeah. like going this yeah, is a ravine. To that. Sorry. <laughs> um, but I was like, oh, it's so rad that she's just like amped on Star Wars. Yeah. And and she's just like excited about it. And yeah. so when, you know, you get these guys like, oh, like it's, you know, women are taking over. It's like, it's one character, chill out. Yeah. It's just like, don't deprive this little girl yeah. of like this, like all this rad fun and to learn. And, and you know, like when, 
Carrie Fisher died and, mm. uh, you know, we sort of, you know, on the podcast talked a lot about her and we did this like call-in show where, you know, people from all around the world are calling in and saying, you know, in tears about how they were inspired, whether yeah. they were a, a guy or a girl. And it, it sort of, when I was thinking about it, it sort of like Princess Leia taught me that like girls were sick, like, do you know yeah. what I mean? They were really, you know, they could be really cool. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Because when you're like four or five, you're not like, yeah, yeah. Hanging to hang out with any girls. I mean, I was, but yeah. <laughs> I was trying to be one of them. But um, it was sort of like, oh, like, girls are kick-ass as well. And yeah. it sort of definitely defined the type of girl I looked for yeah. in a partner was sort of like, you know, one that would, like, you know, hang shit on me yeah. pretty much. Like, and and sort of like not... Like you know, challenge me and and you know like that sort of stuff. Sure. Like you know, with the the snappy rapper, you know, who doesn't want to have a a you know a snappy back and forth with their partner like a, a Han yeah. and Leia. Who wants? Who doesn't want to be called an, a scruffy <laughs> nerf herder? <laughs> you calling scruffy looking? Yeah. Now, um, what yeah, about- well, I was saying like that's what like I was saying about Leia teaching me that I could I, you know my own womanhood like. I was like, oh, I can be as nerdy as I am and, and also be a girl because Leia showed me that like there is a place for you in nerdy fandom. Yeah. But the costume thing I wanted to say, then we can move on to what you were going to say, mm-hmm. is that um, speaking of the little, the little girl jumping on the benches in the costume, I remember being so excited when I went into the Disney store at uh, the mall in Sherman Oaks in California with, with my now ex-girlfriend. We went, we went in the store and, you know, in a store filled with like princess things and like frilly fluffy dresses or whatever like every like section of a store has like a dress for that princess that's being like showcased there mm-hmm. but they also had the exact same kind of costume but it was the gin or so like pants and vest and like mm. belt and i got so excited that like a little girl could walk into that store and see that costume and have like the like permission to buy it you know yeah because that's like one of the things that you know in speaking to a lot of girls on the podcast that you know they wanted to be in the Star Wars universe. Yeah. But kind of like the merchandise that was, you know, made for girls in the 80s and the 90s was more, you know, like princessy. Like yeah. it wasn't Star Wars stuff. Speaking of He-Man, like the only real other example was She-Ra. Where that was like one of the few examples of a franchise that actively was like, we want to make a franchise that is like a sword and sorcery franchise for girls. And mm. like, like She-Ra was not launched as like, a, you know, a... Prince, like she was a princess of power, but she wasn't doing tea parties, and she was like she was literally leading a resistance movement in her section of the story. If, if, if listen, if Shira, you know, came into Castle Grayskull and had a tea party, I wouldn't have stood for no. it. <laughs> and nor would have Orko. <laughs> but that's interesting. So in the eighties, He Man was you know the biggest. It was a billion dollar billion dollar toy line. It, yeah, it was it was almost too popular for what Mattel could handle. Sure. And then they brought out She-Ra, which was like her... She was on a different planet. She was the... She was like his like distant the, lost sister. Yeah, the, the kidnapped sister. And... Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. I remember for me, you know, I wanted, I wanted the She-Ra toys. Yeah. And it was like a weird... I remember it was sort of a little bit weird. Yeah. Like, I was a kid and I didn't get it. I was just like, yeah, She-Ra's a sick cartoon, T-Man's sister. Yeah. I want I want the the pony that flies and, and, yeah, yeah. and She-Ra and stuff. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Yeah, but I sort of, I just remember- Like, it there was w- like a pushback from like adults, you mean? Yeah. 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 Okay. And I didn't quite get it. Yeah. Because I was just like, what's, well, it's just more He-Man. Like, it's, it didn't. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, obviously I was very closeted back then, and so I was still, like, being seen as a boy, and I remember, like, wanting She-Ra stuff, or wanting, like, Jim and the hologram stuff, and, like, I don't really have any memories now of watching Jim, because I was so, like, quickly made to realize, like, that was not okay, or whatever, and so, same kind of thing, and it's a bummer, because it's just powerful, cool female characters, like, it doesn't matter that they're women, like, they're just fun characters. Were you, so were you Jim and the holograms, or were you Barbie and the rockers? Um, neither, because I didn't get a chance to dive into either i was just like put i was just, just watch silverhawks instead because that's all i was allowed to watch so i mean i love silverhawks but yeah but uh yeah i saw i saw jim the hologram so that was pretty sick actually yeah. the yeah. uh i mean i bet i bet i would have loved it if i hadn't felt embarrassed for trying to watch it so. yeah because that's another another thing that people say is like you know well there's not girl stuff getting made for guys and it's like yeah there sort of is yeah you know and what about just- and, and also, that's a legit criticism, and maybe we should solve that problem instead of complaining about the opposite. Like, yeah. I, I know I said a lot about Doctor Who on this podcast. I'm sorry. Um, I... Because it's funny because I, I, I just did an interview about being a trans comedian, mm-hmm. and somebody asked me in the interview if... I talk about my Doctor Who fandom on stage mm-hmm. and I said it's easier I think to make non-trans audiences understand trans stuff than it is to make non-Doctor Who watchers understand Doctor Who. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like there's this whole controversy recently about, you know, I don't know if you've heard of this, but apparently they are making the Doctor a woman and uh, some people are not okay with it. it seems, in general, I will say I'm actually very proud of my fandom because the actual response has been like 80-24 as opposed to against it, but there are some vocal people against it and there was an issue where the tabloids and like clickbait journalism took a minor thing that a previous doctor actor, Peter Davison, said and blew it out of proportion. Because what Peter said was the only thing that he has a hesitancy about with the new Dr. Bingham woman is that the doctor is one of the few male characters in sci-fi or action or anything that doesn't carry a gun, uses words as like a way of fighting and is like in touch with emotions. Like basically the, the poster child for being anti-toxic masculinity. That's what the doctor is as a character. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, I 100% agree with that. I think Peter's right to say that. That is, and it's unfortunate because I do get what he's saying. I also do think that there is merit and value in having the character be a woman that I think overshadows that and is worth it. I also think that it sounds like it's just a story that the showrunner wants to tell and so I'm, I'm behind that. Mm-hmm. But also, I think that like if you really believe that that's an important thing for that character to be like and there should be character like that for boys, you can't at the end of the day let it rest on one character. Like there has to be more characters mm. like that. Like you mm. have to create other content that also has that kind of male role model because you can't just be like, well, because like what if the show got canceled instead? Would you still lament that or would you just go, oh, the shows get canceled, you know? And so same thing with like Star Wars. It's like, it's really good. I think for characters like Poe to exist where Poe is a guy so far, we haven't seen much from him yet, but he's like, 
just gives his jacket to Finn. Like, yeah, it works for you. We, you saved my life. We're friends now. Like, it's that, like, weird, like, fr- like this, that, like, I mean, I know he fires a ship that shoots guns, but still, it's like there are there are really redeeming qualities for kids watching these movies. But I to mean, his credit, he does fire it really well. He's really good at it. He's yeah, he super hits good targets. At it. Unless someone stops the bolt in midair, I think you're kind of screwed. <laughs> the, um, but when you say about, you know, about girls stuff getting made for guys. Yeah. Like, what's Wonder Woman? Yeah. Wonder Woman's a fantastic movie. And I think kids, I think kids this generation, and even I think kids of our generation personally did not get caught up on if it was boys or girls. We just got caught up on like the reactions our parents gave us Mm. because like, no, but that's, yeah, that's the only way you do react to anything. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know how people say no no one's like born a racist. Yeah. Because you don't get taught yeah. That stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I remember when I was, I might have been like about eight and I um, was in this place, this suburb of Melbourne called Caulfield and it's a very Jewish community, right? Mm-hmm. And I was brought up Catholic and I was outside playing and these two boys came up to me and said, oh, are you, I bet you're, you're a Christian. And I went, oh, no, no, no I'm not. Like, I had no idea what it meant. Yeah. Like, and so maybe I was younger than eight. But I remember going into my mom mm-hmm. and going, oh, these two boys just said, like, said I was a Christian. Mm-hmm. And she goes, you are. And I'm like, oh, okay. Like, ah. I, like I didn't understand. Yeah. Like, what? Because I want to explain that to you properly. Before, yeah. So, like, I didn't yeah. really, like, Probably I was like, you so? Like, I yeah. don't, I, I sort of didn't get, so you sort of taught that sort of stuff. Yeah. Well, and like I, you know, mentioned earlier how much Leia helped me understand that I could be a girl and be nerdy. But like when I was a kid, I didn't specifically like want to just be Leia because she was a girl. Like I wanted to be Luke as much as I wanted to be Leia. Like, but like, because I wanted to be a Jedi, but I also wanted to be a girl and like, because I am a girl. But like, when you find out at the end of Jedi that Leia is Luke's sister, like I had so much fan fiction in my head of like the movie's ending and then like Leia being trained to be a Jedi yeah. and like imagine myself as Leia being a Jedi mm-hmm. uh, and so that's why like I love Rey so much because now I'm like there's a girl Jedi and she's yeah. there <laughs> like she gets to be the I mean I know also you have a Sokotano and stuff like that as well who predates you know Force Awakens like there are already characters in canon now that girls can relate to yeah and that boys can see being tough and awesome and root for as well I know plenty of guys who love Sokotano so yeah and uh, with like Ray, it's just like I wasn't sitting there the whole time going, "It's a girl." Yeah, I was like, like my thing with Ray that sold me was when I got to see a, a like an eight minute preview of the Force Awakens. Like mm-hmm. Disney, like had this big IMAX thing, and Harrison Ford was there in Sydney. Nice, one of the the greatest days of my life. That um that yeah, it's there's a a podcast all about it that that if people sure. haven't heard that you, they can go back and listen to, but. When I didn't really have like a firm opinion, I like I, I was sort of just like just excited to see the film, but they showed the bit where Finn just arrives in um, Nima Outpost, yeah, where where Ray like cleans the stuff, yeah, yeah, and she and he like drinks from the water, and yeah, that, that part's that's great. exactly where yeah, it starts. Love that part. So um, Finn mentions Luke Skywalker, and Ray goes. Luke Skywalker? I thought he was just a myth. Yeah. And she was like amped on Luke Skywalker. And then instantly I'm just like, oh, that's your, like, you're me. You're yeah. a big Luke Skywalker fan. Yeah. 
And which I always find is the irony of The Force Awakens is it's about two really big Star Wars fans. Yeah, exactly. Like Rey that loves Luke Skywalker and Kylo Ren that loves Darth Vader. Yeah. They're just like two big Star Wars fans. Yeah. And she even has like nerd them about the Millennium Falcon when she has the ship that she's like that the junkie ship that's been in her backyard this whole or like her junkyard this whole time is the Millennium Falcon. And she never realized it. I... I, for me, the moment where I started to get anticipation that I would be excited for the new movie was the teaser, the very first teaser they released, where you just heard the the music and you saw William Falcon flying through Jakku. Like I remember being in Ohio for Thanksgiving that year, and my parents had this big flat screen TV they just gotten, and they had the access to YouTube for the first time on the TV. Mm-hmm. And I loaded it up and I watched that. It's, I think it was like a thirty second trailer, and like I think you saw. Finn sitting up in the dirt and there was almost nothing to be seen yet but then it ended with the theme music playing and that shot of the ship flying the the sands and I was like so excited like I could not believe how excited because up until then I think I had been like hesitant to want to get excited for the movie because of what had happened in the past that moment I'm like I am in that's when I stopped watching any trailers that I could avoid until the next year when I had to for work oh that's when I could never not watch a trailer uh, I'm sure that once someone sits me down and makes me watch that behind the scenes thing for Last Jedi then I'm in and I'm like never gonna get get out of it and then you'll you'll have Pog fever as well yeah now what is your favorite scene in all of Star Wars in all of Star Wars oh that is a good question I think for me it is the original version of Jabba's palace. Uh, I am I am a weirdo in that I actually think that Jedi is my favorite of the original trilogy. Oh no, um, um, that's me. Yeah, well, because you love Ewoks. Yeah, because you're not you're not an Ewok hater, so you don't let that tamper your view of a great movie. Well, I I think when when Luke gets the lightsaber. Yeah, on the barge. Like, like that yeah. to me is yeah, like the, the greatest thing that's ever happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think that's my favorite because I just love. First of all, I love the original version of the song. Uh, I also I love um, I always forget how to say his name Slacious Crumb. Yeah, I love him. I love he didn't like. Oh, I was scared when I was a little kid before I started watching the movie. My brother would watch the movie on TV when Jabba's like reaching and grabbing those like those like frog things and eating them from that thing. I was terrified of that as a kid, but I just I just loved all the different aliens and different puppets and all those things. It was just so easy to get it like just to get enveloped in that world. And so it's so hard because I don't have a version of that movie now because i only have the special edition version on blu-ray and i miss it like i once i don't maybe that's why it's my favorite in my head because i now because i can't revisit it it's only what's in my memory yeah and so it's just i remember just being enthralled by it i i think jedi is such an underrated movie it's so good oh not not in, it, you could not rate it any higher in my i yeah I but i know i'm saying the fandom underrated. yeah people yeah, yeah. i've heard people even put it behind uh like they put like right after the prequels or right behind Force Awakens. I'm like, no, it's it's my it's. I think that objectively, I would probably argue that the first one's the best movie objectively because it stands on its own and whatever. But for me, as far as just subjective joy, I love Jedi so much. The previously totally sold out Your Snoke Theory Sucks t-shirt is now up for another run pre-order at SteelWars.com. And along with that, we have got a bunch of new t-shirts. We've got the Yavin University, the Blue Milk Classic, the Force Box logo, and the very fun I'm Ray's Parents parody designs. They are screen printed, not digitally printed, on the highest quality all-style apparel ring spun t-shirts, so they will last for ages. 
Check them all out at steelwars.com. Now, you, you've sort of touched on it a little bit, but you've, you've transitioned to a girl. Yeah. Yeah. And I... To myself, really. And, and I, I want to preface this by saying I think it's important that, that you correct me whenever I state something wrong. Yeah. That wasn't so much a correction as like just to clarify the yeah, audience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's sort of like, like sometimes I think people worry about saying the wrong thing and it's, it's a little bit like, as long as the, the spirit is there yeah. of, of like, you know, sometimes you, you know, you, 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 yeah. you, you mess up wording. And I, I would say, and I don't, I don't want to dwell on this too much. I'm sure you your audience don't want to either. I think a lot of the times when like someone does get a little more upset, Keep in mind, they deal with a lot of stuff that you yeah. don't see, and you may have just been at the wrong place at the wrong time. Like, you know, it doesn't justify people getting too upset sometimes, always, but just give people a little bit of leeway on that. Yeah. I definitely had moments where something that would not have bothered me 90% of the time just hit me at the wrong time. Like, uh, I was at a, I'll move on from this, but I, I was at a wedding a few months ago, and I was telling someone a story, and they were listening to me for a while, like we were talking, and then they were trying to recap my story to somebody else who joined the conversation, and they dropped a male pronoun on me in the middle of that story, and just in that moment, because I'd been drinking all day, and also I had put in so much effort to do makeup and hair, and, and I was like, I looked pretty, I looked pretty. Uh, the fact that I got misgendered then hit me way harder than it would have 90% of the time. And I ended up yeah. like, like being done with the conversation at that point. Yeah. And like, yeah. I, you know, I behaved angrily because I was like, I'm done. But like most of the time I was going, she, whatever, I move on. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. How like there's, I know when they've um, in the new expanded universe, all the new books, mm-hmm. they've um, they've they've had some lesbian characters and yeah. some homosexual characters. Yeah, I believe and- Ahsoka Tano is queer, right? I think someone told me that. I haven't read a lot of the books, but someone told me Ahsoka is actually gay. I don't think so. Okay, I can be yeah, wrong. Yeah, because she no, she's in my mind. <laughs> well, Mark Hamill said that yeah. if you think Luke Skywalker is gay, yeah, well, he's thing, gay. My issue with Luke being gay as a character is, which is also already ruined by the books anyway, because of Mara J. But like, I like the idea of Luke not having anyone because Luke's a jet. I like the idea. Like I actually would start with, with the force awakens trilogy. I kind of hope they don't ever pair Ray up with somebody. Like I know like some people want Ray and Finn to be shipped. Some people want Ray and Poe to be, I mean, Finn and Poe to be shipped, but like, I want Ray just to be a Jedi and Mm. not have a partner because I also like the idea of, for little girls watching the movie to not think that their worth at all is based on who they're dating yeah, and just be like, no, she's just a warrior. Well, that was the end Sorry. of... That's right. That, at the end of um, Rogue One. Yeah. When it sort of... It was edited in this weird way yes. like they were going to kiss, like Jean and Cassian. Yeah. And, I was and they th- don't. Yes. No, but the edit is so odd. It's like lingering. And I was in the cinema like, don't kiss, don't kiss, don't kiss, don't kiss, don't kiss. It will, it's like, like Pacific Rim. Like, are you going to put your heads together? Or what's going to happen? Yeah, here you're gonna, it's going to ruin like everything that mm-hmm. you've done with this character. She kisses in my yeah. mind. Yeah. But um, so there's been a, a fair bit of pushback to the gay and lesbian characters. And there's also been a lot of celebration. Mm-hmm. And I like... You know, as I say, like, fandom is a reflection of the real world and we all evolve. Yeah. And at first, I, I think I was hesitant to having gay characters in Star Wars books because it's like, well... And I think this is a lot of people. They go, well, it's not about that. It's like, 
you know, but then you're sure. like, well, there's romance in yeah. it. And it's also very lighthearted kissing. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know, like Lawrence Kasdan has famously said that, um, was it Irvin Kirshner? Someone in Empire said that kissing in Star Wars is like having sex. That's yeah. Star Wars version of having sex. Yeah. Until there's this book called Lost Stars. Uh-huh. And they have sex. It's like a young wow. adult book. I was, I was reading it just like going, Woo! This hot, uh-huh. heavy. This is a... Uh, yeah, so uh, that was quite something. But who has sex? Is it the characters I know of? Are they are they all EU characters? No, they they're all okay. they're like new characters. Yeah, it's not like Han and Leia going. No, on. no, okay. no, no, no. But um, not, not them baking a Kylo. That's not a. But so as you sort of, I know, I know it wouldn't be Kylo. It'd be Jason and whatever. Yes. but yeah. As um, you know, things go on, and it's done. You know, in in the it's just handled the same way as if someone was in love. Yeah. If they're a man and a woman, and in the um the third aftermath book, there's this character called Sinjia who's like an imperial. He used to be a former imperial like torturer, mm-hmm. and now he's like on the rebellion side. And he finds his boyfriend who's injured, and they they're reunited at the end of the book, and they kiss. And I've never read anything more emotional. I don't think in a Star Wars book in the last 10 years than that because I was so happy they got back together but I was also sort of like had tears in my eyes because I was like how sick is this yeah like how rad is this that like uh, like a homosexual boy is reading this book and yeah. it's like I'm in this book yes like, like a character that has these same feelings as 100%, me 100% yes is like so it was sort of like this double thing that it was like a great moment and I was like oh this is sick yeah now like how do you feel in Star Wars fandom that, like, there's not barely any representation for someone that's transitioned? Oh, there's none at all. Uh, and, like, most sci-fi... I mean, to be fair, trans has only recently hit the cultural zeitgeist. Um, it, I mean, we've been around for a, for human history, but we've only recently been, like, as far as mainstream Western culture talked about. Like, there's lots of other cultures it, that it, have had trans it, elements to them. It but. took you a few millennia to get some buzz. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, we had, no, we had buzz. Our buzz got snuffed out by new <laughs> new ratings uh, when, when, when Christianity, that kid in Australia and his buddies came in and just took over. Because there are lots of non-Christian cultures and, like, non-Western religions and stuff that have places for trans people in their culture uh like two spirits native american stuff like that um but that's not what this podcast is about um so it i don't expect there suddenly to be trans characters and everything um i am someone who throughout her life has found ways to metaphorically find trans characters and things and like for example with Star Trek, the way that I have headcanoned it in my mind, that until they cast a trans actor, like, I don't know, maybe me, if you guys ever want to put a trans character in a Star Trek or Star Wars movie, I'm happy to do it. Go ahead and call me. I will do it. I, I will make that sacrifice. I will take the months out of my life to film episodes of your show. That's big be, of you, man. I, thank it's, you. It's, it's I am so not good. a man. First of all, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm totally not- kidding. I'm totally <laughs> kidding. Um, I, yeah, I... I did actually have a, a tweet. I used to write for the site called Pajiba. Can and I, I just say, can I just say. Did I scare, that, the, shit? Did I scare the hell out of you? <laughs> no, 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 oh. no. No, but it's like one of those things. And, and this is like, I like should be more. It's, 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 it's hard. It's so hard because that's like, you know, like two weeks ago, my friend Ashley was here and she was on the couch. Yeah. And I would say. Oh, yeah. that's what I'm talking about, man. Yeah, I wasn't actually offended. I was just kidding. Yeah, I know, okay. I know. But it's that weird thing of just like you 
like it's it's like the last thing I'd ever want to do is yeah. make someone offended about who they are, yeah. unless who they are is an asshole, and then I'd like to grind their face in the dirt about it. Yeah, but it's like that. It's how you talk. Like yeah, it's yeah, that, I that get slang. it. Yeah. That's like like sometimes people say it too much in a few sentences, mm. and then that's when I start I start noticing it. But when it's like one off like that, I only noticed it in this context. We were talking about it. So. Yeah, but anyway, to get to my point, just so it doesn't seem like I'm lecturing you for no reason. Oh no the, no no no! Yeah. But, but like I think it's. Like in in a way, I'm sort of glad I like. I I just think it's yeah. I I just think like, I for, for a lot of people listening like to a Star Wars you. podcast, yeah. like I don't think they've they've listened to someone that's transitioned before yeah, yeah. on a podcast before. Sure, and like I, you know, I like I, I'm happy to have this overall conversation with you, and it's great. But I also love that we were able just to talk about Star Wars for a while. Yeah, I did the Star Wars minute last year, and it was great that I never had it. I I literally just we just watched you know we watched. Oh, Five minutes from Star Wars, and we from uh, from uh, um, analyze, scrutinize, and criticize. Uh, uh, Attack of the Clones. We yep. watched five minutes from Attack of the Clones, and I well, loved well, having five days. We're, we're, we're Attack of the Clones, Star Wars minute brethren. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they recorded it while they were in town the same week. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so anyway, my point about my headcanon for when it's like a really advanced culture, like science, like technological. The reason why you don't see trans characters is because in a society with that much technology and that much medicine where they can literally rebuild you a hand, uh, people who are trans just get the transition super young because they never have to deal with the culture or that. Now, it may have not has been as effective under the Empire. And so, again, if you wanted to write a trans character into Episode Nine or into Han Solo, I would be happy to do that. I would be happy to be like, oh, under the Empire, this, this culture was not proof this the under under palpatine care they did not give you uh coverage for transitional health care uh go ahead and write that article write that into the script and i will play your star wars trans character i will take all the angry hate tweets you can send at me if i can play that <laughs> character and i said that about star trek too i was like i would love to play the first trans member of starfleet in a like like not even the first but the first on screen character yeah 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 like let me be the trans Jordy LaForge yeah. let me just be up there but yeah and at the end of the day just give me a job yeah at the end of the day just give me give me give me actually give me the job so that I can then use SAG healthcare to pay for my health <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah I, I mean like part of why I love Doctor Who so much is that the the concepts of re, of rebirth and 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 like becoming a new person is very appealing to me as someone who doesn't have her own stories told a lot. Um, part of like with Buffy was like Buffy would keep her, you know, people look at her and they'd see this normal teenage girl and, but she was really anything but, and I had the exact opposite. No one, no one looked at me and saw a normal teenage girl. That's yeah. what it was. And like, that's, that is what I think is the power of sci-fi and fantasy is that you can take things that kind of have an, otherworldly charm to them and you can find ways to make them work for your experiences and that is part of why I love Star Wars so much because Star Wars gives you this universe where you can believe in the power of like hope and like teamwork and like coming together to stop a common enemy and yeah well that's like you know like sci-fi and fantasy it's all about the fantastic metaphor to Mm -hmm. inspire you in your normal life sure like I find you know, and many of my guests, the, you know, Luke Skywalker, Binary Sunset, you know, I want to go do this thing, but I'm too scared to do it. Yeah. And I'm getting held back by things that are kind of my fault. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's, 
that's that's an intense scene. Yeah, and I I only found this out like the other day, which I it blew my mind that the Wachowskis that you yeah. know wrote and and made the Matrix. Yeah, they're both trans women. Which you didn't know about that? No. Oh wow. Yeah. Well, so what happened with them was that. Um, Lana came out first. Like she came out while they were still making that trilogy. So that's why if you watch the the attributions throughout the trilogy, um, the Matrix and I think the Matrix Reloaded even possibly the Matrix is definitely credited as Wachowski brothers. Yeah. And then with it, either by Reloaded or by Revolution, it becomes the Wachowskis. And then actually after that, um, yeah, whenever you've got everything, so you've got. Most of their films since then are Wachowskis. I think they're, I think they're still listed as Wachowskis. That's like their, their DGA credit now. Mm-hmm. But about a year and a half ago, the other sister came out. And so they're Lana and Lily Wachowski now. And that, so if you watch the show on Netflix that they made, Sense8, which I love, um, it's, it's a show written and created by two trans women and also J. Michael Shazetsky. But that metaphor of mm-hmm. like taking the pill to oh, yeah. it's see the that, real life, like yes. that's... Yeah. Yeah. Mind blown. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because I read an article about that with, uh, that was in, there's a great book called um, What If We're Wrong by Chuck Klosterman. And it's this book about looking at the present day through the lens of the future, the way we look at the past from the present day point of view. It's like, imagine like how he, and he was talking about the way that reviews and criticism of movies change over time based on the cultural norms. So like when we look back at like the golden age of cinema now, we can see how racist Birth of a Nation and the jazz singer were, despite the fact they were like, at the time they were storytelling groundbreaking, like there was the first narrative film and the first, you know, talkie. But like with the matrix that that's like, he was talking about like what would be defi- like a defining movie of an era. And he said, the thing about the matrix is that, when it first came out, it seemed like it would be remembered for the technology that it helped create, like the bullet time and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But he thinks that like within like 10 years, it will only be remembered now as this very like metaphysical film that tells this metaphorical story about the trans experience and like living in this dark, cloudy world. And I think it's, I think it's, I think he's around the money with it because then if you then cut ahead to Jupiter ascending, which I am a very big fan of, it is a, mess of a movie it is completely a train wreck at times it is too long it has two climaxes uh but it's also super fun um i feel like jupiter ascending is this weird movie that is what little girls would dream about making if they were not told they couldn't like boy things if that makes sense it's like a movie basically about a space princess not unlike star wars yeah and so it's a it's a woman who finds out she's like the secret lost princess of this that's not that's oversimplification but then it's like so you have princess you have you have spaceships you have and you have a a a boyfriend who's part dog like a puppy boyfriend like there's all these things in it and it's like it's like for me it's like the matrix is a movie about being in the closet and like this world is dark and dirty and 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 you're being restricted and confined whereas jupiter is sending a movie about like being out and the entire universe is your oyster and there's like thousands of planets you can explore with dog men and robot face guys wearing makeup and stuff like that and like that's yeah i i know i went out a huge rabbit hole there but that's that's sci-fi and that's what the wachowskis are amazing because of that kind of stuff yeah it was it was incredible when i found just like and then, like, I got told, and I was like, oh. And then I thought about The Matrix, and I was just like, oh. Yeah, it changed. It's so funny because there's that whole, like, red pill point of view on the internet. And it's so funny that this, like, group of very female-hating dudes 
have made their nickname after a movie made by two trans women it makes me so happy it makes me so happy it's like the greatest thing in the world that's, i don't normally that, that, get like that's like schadenfreude again i usually like, hey i hope you I hope you, like you know the guy with the milkshake thing i don't want to take glee in people's pain but like that is a that is yeah. a fun thing that happens it's, it's also like the long con of trolling yeah yeah <laughs> it's, it's just like this thing that you love and it's like guess what it's about made by the people you hate the most <laughs> Um, we better wrap it up because I know you've got to go a, to a gig. A gig yeah. but it, it has been so fun to catch I, up. I with apologize you. to your listeners for the amount of weird webs that I made them follow. The no, 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 on. no. Mo- most of them probably just get upset, or not most of them. Because I mentioned the, the, Star Trek. No, no. There'll be there'll be a few that that just because you dismiss the prequels, they'll be that that that, yeah. that that's what that, that's what they'll come away with. Them. I I think there are good things in the prequels. I think that. My issue with the prequels is that I wish that there had been somebody working with Lucas oh, yeah. the way that Kirshner and yeah. and Kazan and the guys did with the first yeah. movies and like the, the, the people who made him reshape Star Wars into what it became. Yeah, the collaboration. Yeah, I just think I think that's the problem with the prequels. I think there are there is a good story there, and I'm actually I'm a big apologist for Phantom Menace when people make fun of that movie as being just about trade routes and stuff like that. I'm like, no, you, it, it's not a movie about trade routes. It is the trade routes are just the beginnings of the machinations of Palpatine. Palpatine is this genius who was just pulling all these strings and like it's not it's not it's like that that is one of the criticisms of that movie that I will not abide. Yeah, I, I find in retrospect it's not as bad as everyone says it is, and then mm-hmm. it's not as good as other people say it it's is. It's not as good as I thought it was gonna be when they first started, but they're not as bad as I remember them being. Although I do it is one of those things where I, I wish that maybe a couple more takes or I just wish another draft of the script. That's yeah. all. Because there's a lot of stuff with the love story between Anakin and Padme that I just think falls flat. And there's a lot of, like the the way that she just kind of flips a switch into being in love with him when he's been really creepy up until that point. Mm. And like she literally just saw him slaughter an entire village of Sam. Like he comes back like, yeah, I just killed a whole village of people. Anyway, I love you. Oh, I love you too. Like, no, you can't just have that. Sorry. Um, but he tries all the pickup lines. Yeah, do you know what I mean? I, There's the sand. I just killed a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. That one works. Yeah, that one works. That's, so yeah, the that, th- that's th- a good. That's a good message for all the guys out there. Yeah, it's like exactly. Just, just keep trying. And the thing is, like, I understood that there was like a need to have a Clone Wars cartoon series and stuff like that. But what bugs me most about the prequels is I feel like the Clone Wars was the most interesting thing that happened in those yeah. movies, and it happened off screen. Yeah. Like I would have rather. I mean, I think you could have had a Clone Wars set movie and still had the cartoon show filling in the gaps. Mm. So you know, this is not revolutionary to say this but I just feel like Attack of the Clones and Phantom Menace could have been combined into one movie well, a Clone Wars movie could have happened then you could have had, I wanted I wanted a whole movie where Anakin was Darth Vader before the mask and the helmet and was just Anakin but dark side Anakin yeah. and hunting down Jedi well, that's what I always like think like the, the just the time's a little bit disjointed because when the one thing that you want to see from Star Wars about going back was the Clone Wars yeah and, and then at the end of Attack of the Clones Begun. The Clone Wars have, and then by the end, by the start of Revenge of the Sith, it's like, yep, it's all yeah, right. we're wrapping up these Clone Wars. Yeah, they were tough. They yeah. were tough. Uh, now, the question we ask every guest that comes sure. on the show is, we've got endless till the day we die, and then on for infinity. Star Wars films. Yeah. What are you most looking forward to, or what would you most like to see? Well, I already kind of said it earlier in the thing. Um, I would like to see 
a whole other saga set in a different era of the Star Wars universe. So I want to see something that's very like the way Coder is. I want something that is like here are completely new characters, a totally plot that doesn't ever doesn't feel this need to shoehorn in references to other movies. It's just its own separate thing. Maybe a couple of Easter eggs f- just for the audience to like have fun with, but mm-hmm. not make it like the point of it. Yeah, I, I think w- one weird thing that hampers Star Wars and what's exciting about you know the Last Jedi and going forth is that the time jump is like, you know, when you had the prequels, you knew what was going to happen. Yeah. And so you've got a Han Solo film. You know, like, I know three characters that aren't in peril yeah. in that film. And and in um, the in, in Rogue One, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? It was sort of, you, you, you sort of knew what was, you knew the plans were going to get, yeah. you know, by the end. But to have, I, you know, I, I'm with you, to have like a, an old school KOTOR or whatever, where it's like in another part of the galaxy, in another time. So you can still have lightsabers, but they're a little bit different. Yeah. And then you can develop a whole new franchise and make a whole whole new bunch of billions of dollars office yeah yes and like i will say too on top of that when i first saw previews for rogue one the movie i thought it was going to be is not the movie that it ended up being now i loved the movie it ended up being and i was very into it but i thought it was going to be more of a straight up heist film when yeah, i first mission saw impossible. it like a mission impossible, like a spy heist yeah. film. and like it's like it seemed like from the previews that Jin was going undercover on the death star and that's why she had on the imperial the flight <laughs> landing pad suit. yeah yeah and there's that whole thing, like like that thing that was kind of cut out that's in the dialogue in the trailer. It's like, what will you do when they break you? Like that kind of thing. Like what what, what kind of person will you become? What's going to what's gonna happen to you if you're undercover? I, I, so now I want to see that movie. I, want, I, I think that what Marvel does very well is that they take other genres and tell those, those genres mm. within the mythos of, of superhero movies. And I would like to see the way that Rogue One did kind of take a war movie, like a, like a espionage war movie and put it in the star Wars world. Yeah. But I want to see that even more. See, I want to see, stay in the, stay in the universe. Don't build it, but just give me a heist film. But that's the thing with that because they've done, they've tried to do it twice. So they tried to have like an amusing star Wars film with Han Solo. And, yeah. And, and they've just like gone, nah, and then same thing with Rogue One. They tried to have this war movie. Yeah. And then towards the end, they're like, oh, no, we're going to change it. And yeah, yeah. I, I think they went into it. Like Kathleen Kennedy and Lucasfilm went, oh, we can do all these different types of Star Wars films. But when you actually make the film, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, it's not Star Warsy enough. Like, I, I, yeah. I, I think the world of Star Wars is a little bit more constrictive than what we thought. Well, I think that's a problem with trying to make it fit within a narrative we already know. Mm. I think you can't do that with Han Solo because eventually he has to be the Han Solo you know from the movies. Yeah. You can't do it with the Death Star because we already know what's going on with the Death Star. But if you made a movie that was set in a different era or with characters we don't need... Like, I know we don't know the characters from Rogue One, but we also do know what happens with the Rebel Alliance. Like that's what we need. You need to do it in a way that works. Like, and I think, I think it can totally be done because I think Marvel did it. I, I, mean, I mentioned, I think, I think Ant-Man is, it works as a heist movie that also still has superhero stuff happening. Yeah. It still ends up with a battle between two guys in suits. Like it doesn't, you know, but you also have those great sequences where you have like the, the like going through the list of like what he's going to be doing when they get to the thing. Like that's really fun. Yeah. And like, you know, the same thing with, Spider-Man, you had like a coming-of-age teenage story that also happens to have a lot of guys, scenes of the guy in a bird costume. So Yeah, well, you're so right, because I remember the photo of Rogue One, and I was like, oh, which one's... Oh, that's the weapons expert, yes. and which one's going to be... And they'd all, But it was sort of like, let's land and... 
we'll just shoot stuff while you guys go do that. Yeah, and they do. I mean, they do all get into that 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 military style thing does play out at the when they're on um, Scarif. I, I, that sequence on Scarif is one of the best. 30 minutes of any Star Wars movie ever made. I will fight people who fight me on that because it is so good. Like, it is just from start to finish, like, when, they, when they're when they leaving the Rebel base on Yavin and they go over to Scarif, like, that is... I I, I've, I just could not believe how excited I was in the theater as that happened. I, I saw that movie three times. I, I don't see movies a lot multiple times in the theater, but that one I did see three times. And I remember, because you were in the audience for that obsessed thing, and I remember, like, I was... It was funny because... I was one of the ones that was on the side of the movie because it was like two of us who loved it and two of us who didn't like it. But the two of us who loved it were the ones making fun of it more than the people who didn't like it. But I like it was a thing where I had seen it for the third time just to talk about it on that show. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, nah, I'm good. I've seen it. But I've watched it so many times on DVD now that I've yeah. had it. But when the Rebel Alliance turns up, like, mm-hmm. I say we fight. Like, yeah. yes. Oh, yeah. Like, that to me, is great. My, yeah. to me, Star Wars is like coming through when your friends need you. That's, yeah, yeah. Like, and that's then the scary... The oh, when the rebels are in that ship and it's like dark and you just have that one Vader lightsaber appear in the darkness, that is such a good scene. Like, <laughs> even though it ends with that weird, like, running the, the, the disc down the hallway and handing it off like a daisy chain, that that's kind of silly. And like, yeah, but I just... And I didn't... We didn't need the... They give us hope. Like, we didn't need that. But... God, that lightsaber in the darkness like that. Like, yes, Darth Vader is kicking ass. Like, it's the greatest <laughs> thing. And so you get both the hope and you get the scary guy really being scary. Like, I think we needed another Darth Vader being scary scene because the last time we'd seen him on screen, aside from making dad jokes in this movie, is at the end of Revenge of the Sith when he's like, no, Padme. Like, I, like, I, I'm, I'm so glad to finally see Darth Vader on screen being scary again. Yeah, he's uh, you gotta you gotta end on a high. Yeah, or a or a low, depending yeah. if what side you're on. Riley, how can the good people of the internet track you down on Twitter? And you said you had a podcast as well. I or, do. If I all a, this Doctor Who talk is yeah, uh, I have rubbed a off Who, on people. What if, what if we only talked about Star Wars on my Doctor Who podcast? Oh, that sounds um, like a great podcast. Uh, we have a podcast called The Regenerates. It's myself and another comedian named Robert Clark Chan. And uh, we, we just finished up talking about the 10th season, which just aired. And we are now diving into the first series, which is the... Uh, we're, not, dude, we're not going all the way back to Hartnell. I did that on, the, on an older podcast. But I had this show. Uh, turns out people didn't listen because no one watched. People who already watched those episodes have already talked about them their entire life. So, but we're doing uh, right now. We are in the first season of Christopher Eccleston. Uh, that one's one that aired in two thousand five, and uh, we're working our way through the entire series. So we uh, we're doing that piece by piece. It's called the Regenerates, and you can find that on the Boardwalk Audio Network. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Rye Silverman. R y e s i l v e r m a n. And uh, it's a very weird week for me in mm-hmm. podcasting because we met years ago. Yes. Because you used to be a guest on the Bill and Dan Under show. Under a different name, yes. And uh-huh. and we were both in LA at the time and we, we got dinner. And yeah, just down the street at Toy Thai. Yeah. yeah. Opposite Nerd Melt, yeah. where we, we both which do shows wasn't, now. Which wasn't a theater then. I mean, it might have been, but it wasn't the way it is now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I just lived around the corner from there at the time. The And Bill and Dan are on my other podcast this week. Yeah. I Love Gringo Letters. And this is a big throwback to my uh, late 2000s yeah. podcast listening. It was like a really weird thing back then because like podcasts were new it was like a weird... You didn't even know how to describe it to people. Like, oh, yeah, it's a, pod, it's a, a show that you put on the internet. And it was called a podcast because people still had iPods mm. to put them on. And, like, I remember I was out here and I got a message from you 
being like, hey, do you want to meet for dinner? Yeah, probably. And like, I remember telling Bill and Dan about it and it was like the weirdest thing that like a fan of the show that I'm a guest on sometimes wants to take me to dinner and like I was a pioneer yeah it was like this weird I'm like yeah I'll take a free dinner why not like yeah it was like the greatest yeah and it's like now it's like now of course podcast fans would love to take hosts to their favorite podcasts and get to out to meals and most of us are smart enough to go no that yeah. sounds creepy no that's a good hint everyone take me out for dinner yeah take me out for dinner please yes um, thanks so much it's thank been you great so to see much. you I can't believe how much we talked I'm so sorry for rambling oh no that's what podcasting is all about yeah. it's what the medium was developed for and may that force be with you Thank you, and maybe with you. Hey, you guys. I hope you enjoyed that super fun episode with Riley Silverman. It was awesome to catch up with Riley. And as discussed at the end of the podcast, my other old-time podcast friends, Bill and Dan, are on I Love Green Guide Letters this week with a, a really special episode for me. So check that out. Hey, if you enjoy the podcast, you want to ensure that we keep it going and get a grip of bonus content as well as all the classic episodes, join us in the Steel Wars Patreon Content Club. It is just $3 a month and you get the additional call-in show bonus shows, the Making Steel Wars show that I do with Jason Ward, and listener Q&As. It is a great time. As well as that, there is the LA Podcast Fest episode, there is the uh, MSW Star Wars Celebration Party episode, there are several comedy commentaries that we recorded before a live audience in Australia, we've got the Phantom Menace, we've got the Star Wars Holiday Special. And we've also got the original Star Wars, which you can sync up with the Blu-rays and have a little comedy show while you watch your old mate Star Wars episodes. It's just $3 a month. Give it a try. It is so appreciated. And we've got a few uh, extra bonus things coming uh, this month as well. But that is at patreon.com forward slash Steel Wars. There's a link down the bottom of this in the show notes, whether you're on the phone or desktop. Our live show is this Saturday. So uh, you might be hearing it on the day or just before at LA's Nerd Melt Meltdown Showroom at uh, Meltdown Comics. And we've got Kyle Newman, the director of Fanboys. And I am very excited about this. If you are in Australia, 16th of September, we'll be live podcasting in Melbourne. Tickets are on sale now. Of course... We are part of the Making Star Wars Podcast Network and MakingStarWars.net is the internet's red hot zone for legit Star Wars news and rumors. Normally when things break, they break at Making Star Wars. I feel like I'm doing a sweet radio plug for them right now. But anyway, we've got the Making Star Wars Podcast Network and there is a plethora of top shelf Star Wars podcasts for you to listen to all looking at the galaxy from a different point of view. Uh, I'm on the latest Making Star Wars. Now this is podcasting, breaking down all the week's news and just having a really fun time eating too much Vegemite as a dare on air late at night. So check that out. Other podcasts I'm on this week. I'm on the Star Wars Minutes 
their Star Wars Celebration live episode. It's me and those guys doing my favorite minute from Empire Strikes Back. I love how this episode turned out and I've got a great response from it. So check that out. It was an honor to do uh, one of my favorite podcasts of all times, live shows at Star Wars Celebration. So check it out. I was also on another long running uh, great Star Wars podcast, Coffee with Kenobi. And uh, again, we do the week's news in a, a very different tone from making Star Wars uh, during the day, for one. Uh, and people have been enjoying that. And I'm also on episode 25 this week of The Bad Motivators. Eric Struthers that does a lot of work behind the scenes for Steel Wars' podcast. And uh, we had a great time not only talking Star Wars, but we talk of Masters of the Universe and Action Man and G.I. Joe and Mask, all these 80s toy lines, we get deliciously off topic. So check out all those podcasts if you uh, need some more action. Thank you guys so much for listening to the show. It is a true thrill in my life to record this for you um, twice a week and have people from all around the world listen to it. I think you can tell how much I, I love doing it for you. And I appreciate you listening. So thanks so much. And may that force be with you.
This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Also, for more Star Wars podcasting, check out the Making Star Wars Podcast Network at makingstarwars.net. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.